Welcome to In a Perfect Policy, hosted by the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Catalysts for Science Policy, or CASP. At CASP, we work to advocate for science-based policy, engage lawmakers in the policy-making process, and promote science outreach within the community. My name is Maya, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we're going to hear an interview with Terry Dalton, the board president of Wisconsin's Green Fire, about the organization. Wisconsin's Green Fire is a nonpartisan, independent nonprofit with a mission to support the conservation legacy of Wisconsin by promoting science-based management of Wisconsin's natural resources. Founded in 2017, Wisconsin's Green Fire has grown to become a go-to organization providing science-based information to inform conservation management and policy decisions in Wisconsin. Their 700-plus members hold a wide range of expertise in natural resource management, environmental law and policy, scientific research, and education. Their member experts, staff, and board members work to connect the public, media, and legislators to science, and they have 10 topic-centered work groups producing science-based reports, analysis, testimony, and public comments to provide a voice of science into complex environmental issues in the state. Wisconsin's Green Fire envisions a healthy and protected Wisconsin for future generations to enjoy, and they are actively working to engage with the next generation of conservation professionals by connecting students and young professional members with seasoned expert members. Hi, Terry. Do you want to introduce yourself and let us know what you do at Wisconsin Green Fire? My name is Terry Dalton, and I'm right now I'm the president of the board for Wisconsin's Green Fire. I've been with the organization since its inception, and uh, it's been a really exciting adventure uh, learning and working with so many great people. I live up in northern Wisconsin in Iron County. And uh, I kind of come out of a background from environmental education and field biology. Could you give us an overview about what Wisconsin's Green Fire does? So Wisconsin's Green Fire is a relatively young uh, environmental or not natural resources conservation organization. We are a nonprofit. We first formed in 2017. And our real goal is to provide science-based information to policymakers and the public so that when we're making decisions about Wisconsin's important natural resource challenges and issues, we have a good scientific basis and folks understand what the data underneath those decisions is. And we can then put that with social information and make better choices on managing our natural resources. You know, I think sometimes people look at um, scientists, people look at natural resource managers or policy people who serve well, the term is a policy wonk, right? And their eyes glaze over and they start to fall asleep right away. And oh no, don't tell me more facts. I just can't handle it. And one of the fun things about our group for me, maybe perhaps being a little bit of a, a science nerd myself is that the people who are involved in our group uh, are really interesting, innovative and fun people where, you know, it, it's not, this is not boring science facts. This is reality. This is the world we live in. These things are happening. We all care about um, what happens with our wildlife or our fish, or when does the 
ice form on my lake and is am I going to have ice in 20 years to go ice fishing or um, how will climate change affect um, the rainstorms that I have in the summer? We all care about, about those things, but we tend to think that the science is too unapproachable or big. And when you start to get to know people who have worked in these, they're just, uh, they've had some of the most interesting careers. You know, people, can you imagine being someone who spent most of your career out in the woods following a pack of wolves around? or counting the number of deer in a deer yard, um, or someone who spent hours and hours every summer on lakes measuring water quality and, and seeing what happens when the temperatures go up or um, the runoff from shoreline fertilizer changes the algae. Um, they have a lot of interesting perspectives and things that I think we all would care about. And we're hoping to put uh, a more personal a touch on that so that people can understand science and learn what science is all about and not feel as intimidated by it. And I guess the other thing is that, you know, that if you think about the, the dedication of people who come and work for our group, hours and hours of volunteer time, um, you know, it, you, it's hard to calculate the value of all that, that most of the work that we do is done by volunteers who have uh, careers worth of expertise behind them. If you had to hire those people, I don't, you know, it would be, it would be crazy expensive, but these folks are putting in their time and energy because they care. They're, they're public servants and they want to, they want to see the world be a better place for future generations. Do you want to talk a bit about the projects that Greenfire has been involved in over the years? Um, maybe the wolf hunt project specifically? Sure, we, we've been involved in projects from a number of different uh, levels of expertise. We have work groups that work on everything from water quality and fisheries and regulation all the way up to wildlife. Uh, the wolf work that we have done has come out of our wildlife working group. And those folks have been really looking at a wide range of issues around the management and conservation of wolves in Wisconsin. One of the big projects that we did was a review of the uh, wolf hunt that happened in February of 2021. That paper came out in May. So the, the hunt was in February of 2021 and our uh, researchers and uh, people with expertise in wolves got right on track looking at what the impacts of that hunt were. It was a fairly controversial hunt um, and ended up killing over the quota of wolves for the non-tribal harvest. So folks were really looking at it carefully from all over the state. And we wanted to provide uh, sort of a scientific analysis of what, what that hunt accomplished and did and what the outcomes would be and make some recommendations for future management. Um, you, know, you probably know wolves are a very controversial species. People love them, people hate them. There are very few people that are sort of halfway in between. Um, so it's important to take some of the emotion out of discussions about wolf conservation and really make sure you have a good factual underpinning. Of course, you can't manage wolves in a vacuum. Uh, people are a big part of wolf management. So you have the data about the animals, but you also have to take into account all the public opinion the conflicts with people, the various hunting and trapping techniques that are used, all the federal and state regulations. It's a really complex issue. What was nice about our 
project, or I think what was helpful about our project is that we have a lot of people with many years expertise who could come and bring their resources and their, their knowledge to bear on the issue. So we had biologists who managed the wolf population for many years of their career and helped make decisions about management. Uh, we had folks who were involved in the trapping and scientific research on wolves. We had people who worked with the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission on tribal views and tribal perspectives of management of wolves. So we tried to really pull together a broad group of people to put that paper together. And then from that paper, uh, we ended up with quite a few folks that were involved in the development of the current management plan and on other committees and advisory groups around the state. So we've had, I think, a significant voice in that ongoing discussion about how we can conserve wolves in Wisconsin for the long term. Yeah, thanks for describing that. Um, you mentioned that you made some recommendations in that paper. What were some of the considerations you were thinking about and what did the recommendations end up being? One of the issues, one of the biggest issues with wolf management is the fact that we've been functioning on, under a fairly um, old management plan and we really need to come up with some new management numbers and techniques as we move from the endangered and threatened species status onto a non-listed status. So prior to making big changes in management, we felt it would be helpful to have a solid management plan in place with a new population goal. Uh, we also felt that having that hunt in February, which was during the breeding season of wolves, had unknown potential impacts on the reproductive cycle and the production of pups for the future, for the next season. And so those kinds of things that, you know, when you have an unprecedented change, it's hard to compare numbers from one year to the next, especially if you don't know what the impact of a significant event like that hunt would be. So we put all of that together into a whole batch of suggestions that came out in that uh, publication. And you can go to our website and look at all the details in that. If you go to our website and click on our, our work tab, it'll take you to our Opportunities Now papers, which are in-depth analysis papers on a variety of issues from the wolf conservation issue all the way up to chronic wasting disease in deer or the waters of the U.S. Uh, we also have looked at the public trust doctrine and other things. So there's a lot of um, in-depth papers there along with all of our testimony and analysis papers. Could you talk a little bit about the Monroe County Climate Readiness and Rural Economic Opportunity Assessment that Green Fire is working on? One of the things that I'm really proud of is that we are looking towards the future on probably what's the most important issue facing our state and our planet, and that's climate change. All these other issues, whether you're looking at wolf management or uh, white-tailed deer or fisheries, they all tie together and are influenced by climate change. So one of the things that we decided to work on is providing communities and regions with a toolbox of ideas that they could, could use to try and address climate change. So it's a four phase project. We're just finishing up phase one, which is sort of an analysis, bringing together a whole group of partners from the University Extension, Nature Conservancy, other places to analyze and look at what are the what are the areas where 
uh, that the community in Monroe County is vulnerable, um, whether it's from significant rain events or changes in the overall uh, temperature regime. And then that process uh, will create a report, which will then go into a public outreach phase and then some demonstration projects and recommendations for the community. So this countywide report will be useful to Monroe County, certainly, but we also hope it will serve as a model for other communities or counties to take a look at what their vulnerabilities are, what they need to focus on as they try to address this really complicated uh, issue that we're all going to need to come to grips with in the relatively near future. So are you thinking that the Monroe assessment can serve as a template for other regions in Wisconsin as well? Uh, our hope is that it's going to serve as a template and whether, uh, you know, other counties and regions are interested, we'll, we'll see, but we're going to be actively working on, on promoting that idea. We think it's a useful tool for folks to actually do something on the ground in their local community that's going to help make a difference, both in adaptation and in prevention of additional climate change. How about the Northern Lakes Toolbox? Well, that, the Northern Lakes Toolbox is one that's sort of close to my heart because I live in the north on a lake and I spent a lot of my career working on uh, various research projects on lakes, especially on loons. And loons are one of the species that may be impacted by climate change and many of the other changes that are happening on Northern Lakes. And we have increasing populations, pressures from um, housing development, uh, shoreline changes in terms of people removing native habitat. So folks who live on and around those lakes love their lakes, but they also are very cognizant that they need to help participate in protecting those water bodies. Uh, one of the challenges to that, however, is that as lake groups form, lake associations, they often don't have the expertise to, to determine what's the best thing they can do to protect their lake. So our project is putting together an easy, a publicly accessible toolbox that lake associations volunteers can use to delve into the vast array of lake science data, which most is housed on the DNR or other websites. They'll be able to, we'll train them on how to go in and utilize that data, pull that data out specific for their lake, put that together with some of the goals their lake groups may have as far as protection strategies, and it'll come out with on the ground uh, projects they can do either, um, it could be landowner education, it could be shoreline restorations, or it could be identifying critical habitats on those lakes, such as loon nesting sites or important wetlands that they need to protect to uh, keep their water quality and their fisheries strong. So that project is in the first phase, and right now we're seeking funding for the second phase where we roll that out. But we're pretty excited. It's a real hands-on kind of thing that can help people, and they'll see a difference right there in their own backyard. It sounds like there's a lot of moving parts with all of these projects. Um, if someone wanted to get involved with one of these projects, um, are you looking for volunteers? For some of these projects, we certainly are looking for volunteers. Others might be still in developmental stages, but uh, depending on what people's interests and skills are, Green Fire is always looking for people who wanna participate and get more involved, whether you're a citizen or a scientist or natural resource professional. 
And I guess the best way to find out how you could plug in would be to contact us through email or through our website. And we would try to find out what your interests are and see what, what we might uh, plug you into that's already ongoing or uh, in the works. So what's a future direction for Wisconsin's Green Fire that you are excited about? Well, one of our fun new projects is to develop uh, some new opportunities for uh, young professionals. One of the things that we determined early in our development as an organization was that uh, reaching out to people coming into the field of conservation is really important. Um, so we're, we're working on providing mentoring opportunities uh, for our student and young professional group. Uh, so we've been in, in existence since 2017. And in 2019, we formed a student and young professional group to reach out to university students and folks who are graduates or in, uh, could be in graduate school or PhD programs or be uh, in new career positions to tie up with them. We offer mentoring skills to them, but we also are hoping to get some things back. There are certainly skills that young people have that late career professionals probably don't have. So it's a two-way street and it's been really fun working with them. So we, we've started uh, a new program we're calling Conservation Pathways and we've received some funding from the EVU Foundation in Madison. And what that project is gonna do is provide scholarships for students who want to work with us in a mentoring mentee role and also head into um, natural resource conservation careers. We're hoping to grow that program and grow the number of opportunities for students and young professionals. We've already piloted a number of um, internships and opportunities. Um, we also uh, have students and young professionals as part of our board meetings and part of our annual meetings and gatherings. And uh, they're really, they have their own newsletter with us. Uh, and that's really fun. We can, we have our more traditional newsletters and e-newsletter, but they're putting out a newsletter that's going out to students around the state, which focuses on um, job opportunities, mentoring opportunities, um, and just uh, fun educational things like field trips and courses or webinars that they might want, want to attend. So it's, that's been a really exciting element of the work. Um, you mentioned earlier that there were working groups. I think you said the wildlife group specifically for the wolf hunt. Um, but what are some of the other working groups that you have? So we have uh, 10 work groups right now. Uh, and they're everything from uh, wetlands and public trust, environmental education, public lands and forestry, fisheries, wildlife management, air quality, energy policy. So we have quite a range of uh, groups that are working. We also have uh, committees that are working on other projects, legislative uh, projects, working on things that um, might be happening in the state capitol. Groundwater, for example, isn't a work group, but is there are people working on groundwater policy in the state. So we have the 10 work groups and then also specific other projects that come up. Um, it's a pretty broad, range of skills and we have everywhere from you know five to 25 people in involved in these in these work group efforts do you ever collaborate with national groups or are you mostly focused on wisconsin issues 
We're mostly focused on Wisconsin, although we have uh, made comments on some national issues, but mostly we're trying to keep our, our focus a little bit narrow so that we can have more impact. Many of the groups that we partner with here in Wisconsin also have national uh, affiliations. So there'd be some of that uh, federal level um, issues funneling down, but we're looking at it through a state lens. How would you summarize Wisconsin Greenfire's vision for the future? Well, our mission is to provide science-based information to inform conservation management and policy decisions in Wisconsin. And, you know, I think sometimes people get a little confused between public policy and politics. Um, you know, I often tell people we're not a political organization, we're not a lobbying group or an advocacy group, but we do work in the public policy arena, which is more analytical. It's you've taken out the party politics and the hopefully um, the divisive nature of political debate and put into place what are those decisions going to make when they hit the ground and how can we have sound policy around natural resources that's informed by science. So uh, our mission is to provide that scientific information and to help people who are making decisions either in the political arena or in agencies have the best information possible. I think our, our vision for the future is that citizens and decision makers in our state would come to environmental uh, conflicts and issues with a sound scientific background and would understand how science works and how it could be helpful. And then they can bring that scientific understanding into the complex issues, which include human social issues. And it'll help to form a, a more uh, long-term and visionary uh, decision-making process in the state. So you mentioned politics, and I know your organization is focused on policy, not politics. Um, but I'm curious how, especially in the current climate, um, you navigate political issues, or you navigate politics within the space you're in. I think it's always challenging, but in particular in the last um, number of years, it, it's been harder because people have a, a feeling that they can't cross lines. There's not as much collaboration or compromise across party lines if you're looking at uh, politicians who pass laws that affect state policy. Um, and in fact, our organization came, basically our formation came out of frustration over the over-politicization of public policy. When we formed in 2017, both the state and federal level governments, Wisconsin and in Washington, DC, um, were not really uh, encouraged. The folks at the upper levels of those agencies and, um, and the political uh, people who were in power weren't really that interested in science. And uh, as an example, uh, climate change was not on the table in a very significant way. I think many of our members who formed the group felt really strongly about climate change in particular as an important issue for our times. And that drives the desire to depoliticize the science and put the science out there so that no matter what side of the political fence you're on, 
you get the facts, and then you can decide how you want to address those issues. Um, and that, that should be something that everybody wants to do. We all want the climate to be amenable and, and um, sound for our children and grandchildren, as example. Um, so we should be able to cut through all the politics and um, make good decisions. Thanks for tuning into In a Perfect Policy with UW-Madison's Catalysts for Science Policy. For more episodes, please check out casp.wisc.edu slash podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review In a Perfect Policy wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by myself, Maya Gumnett. Thank you to Jenny Oren and Terry Dalton from Wisconsin's Green Fire for the interview and help with today's episode.